At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not gonna take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not gonna take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all the men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of zombie land. This whole thing is insane! Man is even capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies, and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Especially with the latest AV Live. Audio version for thee in this eternal now. Always a pleasure when Bernie Taylor materializes at the virtual Alexandria. You know it's time for archaeological revelations that lead to the foundation of human consciousness. This time we dealt with mountains. Why have humans been fascinated by depicting and exploring mountains? Is there a metaphysical reason ancient man engage mountains and the lofty skies above them? We'll explore these notions and more, going Jungian and going mystical, as well as other archaeology that grants insights into meaning and purpose. Get ready for some animated animus excellence. As always, thank you to those of you who support this Red Pill Cafeteria. You are amazing, and your support, company, and feedback help grow this podcast. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say, in this age of Hermes, Philip K. Dick world, and Gnostic times. Expect more violence, wars, addiction, and suicide problems as well as mass depression and societal collapse until more look inward while breaking the outward spell of Epstein angels. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or many of my guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Don't forget my voiceover availability for any podcast, commercial, audiobook, documentary, or whatever. I'll bring you stellar results with down-to-home professionalism. Other than that, there is not much else, so let us to our latest AB Live. Write your own gospel and live your own myth.
human action resounds in the heavens. The bell echoes above. What we decide here today will polish or crack the firmament. What shall it be? Welcome, everybody, to the Desert of the Real, the live desert of the real. Welcome, everybody, officially to AB Live on this Mercury Day, on this Odin Day. Although, as many researchers, many researchers have shown, Odin or Wotan and Mercury and Hermes are one and the same. And uh, regardless, I hope everybody's having a good evening. I had a great time today. Besides working, I went to uh, about 30 miles to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and hung out with uh, Steven Snyder, recluse. And while he's out uh, doing uh, occult and other uh, hunting, he is a detective traveling the country, finding insights into the past of North America. Uh, we were able to meet up and had a really good time. But now I am having a great time here on Aeon Byte and so happy to see everybody here as you gather into the chats, as you gather in front of your screens. And with us, I'm always very excited to have Bernie Taylor. His work is always outstanding and brings in so many great ideas together. As the Gnostics said, or as Jesus said in the Gospel of Thomas, how will you know the end if you do not know the beginning? We got to find out how we came about, how history came about, civilization and human consciousness came about, if we're ever going to understand where we're going or even where we are, instead of sleepwalking into nuclear disaster, as we seem to be so well. Bernie, thank you very much for coming on the show again. Always good to talk to you. Miguel, thank you very much. I think this is my number fourth, maybe number four, number five appearance. And the Moondog Vance, um, pleasure to have you with us as well. How you doing, Bernie? Good to see doing you. Good. So Vance usually brings in like the really insightful questions. So we're looking forward to some big ones tonight. I'll do my best. My head's smaller tonight than it usually is, so I'm not yeah, sure how I'm going to do. Yeah, no, don't get me started on it. You know, you ever bring up your computer and then all of a sudden Microsoft has rebooted it and people have changed all the versions and then nothing works? That <laughs> yeah. with you, especially when we used to do Skype interviews. As soon as you would start an interview, Skype would reboot on you or something. Yeah, well, it happened, but at least I got it up this far. Yeah, I think I'm lucky. I have my window set up. If it, if there is an update, it's always at four in the morning. So for some reason. Well, this one probably was. I just, you know, I was at work, uh, computer all asleep. day. Yeah. Yeah. But I, a, new con a, a, new, a new idea we could kick around maybe later on with the idea that consciousness is contagious. Let's do it. I always like your ideas. That's Almost for sure. like a virus. Maybe we'll mm -hmm. talk about that later when we get to consciousness. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's do it. So awesome. Well, for those of you gathering in the chat rooms, as always, uh, write your questions with as many question marks, haha, or on all caps. Or, of course, if you do a super chat, we appreciate your donations and your support. And we will get to you. Other than that, not a lot of housekeeping. Those of you who might not know, I will be traveling at the end of August. I'll be going back home to Portugal to visit family, to settle some legality stuff I need to do, and to do some uh, copious amounts of hopefully ayahuasca in the Santo Daime Church. So I will hopefully have a, you know, another Abraxas experience, go to Sintra, see some UFO sites, uh, Knights Templar Castle, maybe go to Spain. So shows will be a little bit different and a little bit, uh, there'll be probably more live shows as once I'm in Portugal recording there, <laughs> almost impossible because I won't have my equipment, but I am taking equipment that if we have to do a live show or anything like that, uh, it will come out and that might happen. So anyway, just a warning, if you're around the Lisbon area and want to hang out, uh, let me know. 
Uh, other than that, well, Bernie, how have you been? And tell us, uh, give us a little preamble or uh, prelude to this presentation. Well, we've had three or four podcast sessions previously, and I think they all covered mountains. And uh, <laughs> so mountains are in us. So the question becomes how far back. And today, well, previous programs, the the upper pillar cave art, the Ice Age art, was about 34,000 years ago. And today we're going to go 12 to 28,000 years ago. So we're connecting the 34 to what we would call the, the end of the Ice Age and the beginning of the Mesolithic slash Neolithic, the world of Gobekli Tepe. Um, so we're now connecting um, the distant past to what we would see as the recognizable past. Very cool. And what was going on 12,000 years ago? A civilization was beginning. What was going on with humanity? Sure. 12,000 years ago, ice, cave art in Europe ends. Completely mm -hmm. ends. Um, at the same time, places like Gobekli Tepe emerge. Okay. And at the same time, um, rock art in the Sahara, Western North Africa emerges, whereas previously there was very little to none, I should say. Um, and all of a sudden it explodes in the Sahara. So what happened 12,000 years ago is that there was um, climatic changes. And some people talk about comets, you've heard all the stories. But there's, there are climatic changes and it scattered people in different directions. Some people stayed um, where they were, some people moved west, some people moved south. And that's why we have this this uh, 12,000 years ago where we have these sudden shifts in what people are projecting. What Kulbeckli Tepe, of course, the cave art um, leaves, and we find the emergence of major animal art in the Sahara. The Sahara is the, is the I mean, it's a huge area, of course, but it is the largest museum, um, art museum in the world. But 12,000 years ago, was it a desert? Because at one time it was fertile. It was green. <laughs> yes, it was 12,000 years ago. It was definitely fertile. Oh, wow. And so the cave art there, I'm sorry, the rock art in the desert is of alligators, hippopotami, um, or hippopotamuses, um, giraffes, um, alligators. Um, and so we have a, um, actually, it's alligators, crocodiles, crocodiles. Uh, so we have a, um, a different, it's a different place in this today that we can find in the record. But that ends, most importantly, that ends when this presentation tonight um, completes in the timeline. So the question then becomes, how can we, can we connect all that we see tonight to the present, to present peoples, especially? Yeah, that in is both true. Turkey, Spain, and Africa. Yeah, very interesting. So a quick question before we get started. What do you see any spark that began quote unquote civilization, Gobekli Tepe or any I mean, what was behind? Of course you can just say aliens and we just walk away and we don't have mm -hmm. to take responsibility. What was it what do you think started civilization? Climate and interaction? Oh absolutely. So the star of civilization, as I see it, is really 34 to 40,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and we look at Gobekli Tepe, and we think people think it's amazing, but it's actually on the scale to 1 to 10, with 10 being the higher art, high art form. And we could put the upcurled cable art at 9 and 10, and Gobekli Tepe is a 2 or 3 um, in terms mm -hmm. of style, information held within the, the art, and so on. I mean, Gobekli Tepe is, you know, you got big, you know, pillars, but the art itself is... I mean, I mean, we're going to look at some stuff tonight. It's you can't compare it, not even on the <laughs> same page. Um, but still, the Gobekli Tepe and, and the other Tepes did they began somewhere. Um, so I'm saying that the, the that cosmic spark really was 34 to 40 thousand years ago um, when we left when those people left Africa. And um, we're going to talk about the some of the concepts. Actually, one major concept tonight that why what was that spark um and it wasn't aliens or bigfoot <laughs> or bigfoot oh, come on you're in portland <laughs> bigfoot's a big celebrity in portland <laughs> yeah sort of when, when you're in the well miguel when you were here you spent a lot of time in the downtown tourist shops when you yeah. you know you head out of the 
you know, off the, the tourist strip, you don't see Bigfoot so much. Uh, so Bigfoot is a metrosexual, I see. He's, yeah, he's a metro. He's, he's, definitely, a he's definitely a metro phenomenon for in, in the tourist part of town. Uh, okay. you know, I remember a few years ago, so um, cannabis became legal in, in Oregon, maybe like three or four years ago. And before that, there used to be a guy hanging around in the downtown area there that had the sign to legalize you know, marijuana. And he was, you know, he's out there every day collecting donations and he lost his job with cannabis mm. with the legalization. So cannabis oh, yeah. kills, kills jobs. Legalization of cannabis kills jobs. <laughs> That's funny. I know I was thinking the other day I was, uh, I was walking around and I felt like uh, listening to the, to the bugles uh, video kill the radio star. And now I'm thinking it's been the revenge. Radio is killing the video star because podcasting is like surpassing video, YouTube. It's, you know, it's the biggest medium right now in the world. More people are just consuming podcasts. So radio has come back with a vengeance right now for a while. So. Yeah. Without question, if we call it radio. Yeah. Okay. Yes. If we, I uh, kind of, what do you think, Vance? Radio? Am I making Photonio, <laughs> since it's uh, fiber optics. <laughs> so in the case of NPR, when they have their all things considered and the, these sort of things on Saturday and Sunday mornings, that those are podcasts. Those are podcasts that uh, became, you know, iTunes, mm -hmm. but um, it's, there's a new medium. My daughter's a, she's a, going to be a senior in college now. When she was a junior in high school, she took a communications class. And she, one of the assignments was to make a podcast episode. She came home and she explained to me, I was like, well, why would anybody listen to a podcast? <laughs> and uh, and uh, six months later on my, on my first podcast. <laughs> and the night before, I bought a mic. Um, and I bought it. And the camera was, was in the, the laptop. And I learned all about podcasts. And that was Den of Lore in a crash course. Um, <laughs> that was four or five years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed. Well, you know, Things it makes are... me think of Rupert Sheldrake because, you know, it's like when a certain group of monkeys on the island learns a skill. All of a sudden, all the other ones seem to imbibe in this field, this this learning field. So podcasting probably had a certain number of people this is like my contagious theory of consciousness same, same <laughs> kind of thing right so all well, of a sudden the, well, catches rupert, on well rupert has kind of has kind of a, a variation of that he thinks that if rats in one country in the united states or united kingdom learn a trick then rats in australia will carry on that trick without any interaction so yeah he's like he thinks it's like a cosmic consciousness where, um, you know, all, you know, everything is actually connected in that way. Um, so he, he's, he's still working on it. He's a bright guy and I wish him the success. And if he does figure it out, he should get a Nobel prize. Yeah. It's we not, all? not in the cards. So I don't think he's uh, <laughs> against the establisher. The establishment's against him. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He's, uh, Scientism and the materialist gang. Yeah. Even though his work is sound data-driven, all that yeah. great work. Well, he did, a pot, he did a TED Talk a few years ago, and he came out with bare feet. Mm -hmm. so, uh, if I ever do a TED Talk, I would do a homage, Sheldrake homage, come out with my, without, without shoes at the very least. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, you want to get started on the presentation, Bernie? Absolutely. All right, let us, I will bring it up here. Go. We see it now, Bernie. Cosmic mountains in the sky, and uh, yeah, take take over. Here we go. Cosmic mountains in the sky. Um, why do we climb mountains without apparent gain? Sing about their majestic peaks in our songs, and peer into the great beyond from their lofty summits. How far back in time could these co connections have existed, or? Are they somehow part about being human? In this presentation, Cosmic Mountains in the Sky, we will look into the Paleolithic mind that I believe to be our own. So as to examine these questions and perhaps find cosmic, cosmic relationships with mountains that connect us all. First, thank you for giving the opportunity to present my work to your Aeon Byte audience. My name is Bernie Taylor, and my work explores mankind's creative and intellectual origins 
through Ice Age art. When we think about Ice Age art, mountains don't usually come to mind. One might recall artifacts such as these exquisitely engraved baton from Cantabria, Spain, in Cantabria, in the north of Spain. Oops, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't in, in line there. So this was the last one. This is the, the baton. Okay. Um, or cave paintings such as the Chamber of the Polychromes at Altamira. Some cave images are founded in Paradoia, that apparently unique ability in the human mind to find face of people and other animals in geological formations, the clouds and constellations among the stars. Astronomy is founded in Paradoia. Without our Paradoia ability, we would be lost in the night sky. The upper hill of the cave artists saw natural irregularities in these rocks at Altamira that had the impression of a horse, perhaps the horse head, and then dressed them up with black features. Pablo Picasso. Hey, Bernie, uh, let me interrupt real quick. Uh, on your screen, I see the bar. There's a bar with a blue button, the move screen or, or exit screen. Can you just move it out of the way? Yeah. yeah, move it like, yeah, there you go. Somewhere where we, that way we can see some of the text. All right, perfect. Okay, good. There we go. Pablo Picasso borrowed paradoia-based um, images from Altamira to use in his 1907 The Demoiselle de Avignon. Hang on a second. Using his 1907 Demoiselle de Avignon, that has been called the rupture moment in modern art. This imagery is consistent with the Spanish artist quote, it occurred to man to create his own images. It's because he discovered them in the world around him, almost formed or already within his grasp. He saw them in a bone in the irregular surfaces of cavern walls in a piece of wood. One form might suggest a woman, another a bison. I'm in agreement with Picasso that art was first found in, the, in our minds as we viewed natural objects and then projected our visions onto them. How could one not agree? He's Picasso. The Spanish artist recognized the source of the mask in Altamira that he reused in Les Demoiselles d'Avignon, yet Picasso may not have considered other sources of Paradoia before we marked on bone cavern walls and pieces of the wood. What if Paradoia was somehow observed away from these substrates and then projected into the lines found in them? To test this hypothesis, we must travel to another place in northern Spain to view the mountain Chindoki whose peak is about 1,300 meters. My pronunciation of the Basque names in this presentation are not likely correct, but they are spelt correctly. Chindoki is sacred among the Basque people who have inhabited this region since at least the Neolithic. The origins of the Basque are an enigma as their language is not connected to any other European language groups. The Basque believe that their mother nature deity, Mari, ceasingly dwells in Marizolo, a cave on Chindoki, Marizolo literally means Mary's cave. One can see the climbing route to Marizolo with the cave marked by the blue arrow. This cave is on the other side of Chindoki that we viewed in the previous slide. Mary dwells in caves on two other sacred Basque mountains as well. While mountains in general are important to the Basque and are the foundation of their creation myth, Chindoki is one of the most important mountains in Basque culture. Cosmic mountains don't just emerge from the earth or ocean. These sacred peaks connect with the sky world. This image of Chindoki, as marked with the red arrow, was taken from the position indicated by the yellow arrow. The photographer had a westerly view of Chindoki. We return to this face of Chindoki shortly. We travel now to the El Pindal cave in nearby Asturias, Spain. From this cave entrance, one can view the Sea of Cantabria. A great deal has changed since the time of the Ice Age artists. The coastline was a few kilometers further out due to glaciation. There was also large megafauna, such as the giant woolly mammoths and straight tusked elephants. Toothed hyenas and cave lions were real threats. Great herds of bison and oryx roamed, and fur clothing was more socially acceptable. What remains are the mountains, deep caves, and perhaps the minds of people. The current walking time between the El Pindal Cave and Chindoki is about 55 hours, covering 262 kilometers. Google Maps uses five kilometers per hour to calculate walk times. In 
In the Elpendale Cave, there is the principal panel, which has red markings, engraved lines, and interesting natural irregularities. irregularities. Most of the cave panels in this presentation were taken by the esteemed Japanese photographer, Takio Fukawa. They can be accessed from him at www.texni.co.jp. We can break the principal panel down in some, into some of its elements and find recognizable natural features from Chindoki. Those features on both have the appearance of a straight tusked elephant with lowered tusks and trunk. The mountain is living in an animistic sense of the word. On the, on the Elpendale cave wall, there's a rough feature in gold as marked by the blue arrow. Let's go back. Actually, hang on. In gold as marked by the blue arrow. Um, that appears to be a natural irregularity and possibly what drew the Ice Age artists to work the face of this panel. Earlier, I noted that the current walking time between the Elpendal Cave and Chindoki is about 55 hours. There's a lot of cave wall space much closer to Chindoki than a 55-hour walk. This cave panel irregularity is in the vein of what Picasso observed when coming to the conclusion that man discovered images in the world around him, almost formed already within his grasp. This appears to be something beyond what Picasso had described. Paradoia outside of the cave is being projected onto the wall in the cave where there is a natural irregularity in the rock. When we widen our view of the panel, the head of an unusual character emerges from behind the elephant. The character comes from over and behind the mountain, an elephant. A green arrow marks the right side of its head. The flow of this representation that may be snaking through the red dashes area painted by the Ice Age artist as indicated, indicated by the blue arrows. This character has the impression of the wind and may extend to the peak of the depicted mountain. The, the wind-like character is not part of the mountain. I believe that this character is a representation of the vast spirit Ode, who is the spirit of thunder and the personification of storm clouds. Ode is an agent of Mary. This weather spirit appears to be emerging from the side of Mary's cave. Note that Mary is associated with gold, such as we find in this image. The straight tusked elephant may be another Basque mythological character. In Basque tradition, Mary transforms into other characters, such as the shapeshifter red bull bovine they call Axte to do her bidding. Axte is believed to be a cave-dwelling spirit. When the elephants and the woolly mammoths left Europe and the Ice Age, after the Ice Age, the bass may have substituted the horned bovine for the tusked elephant. They may both be bulls, just not bulls of the same species. In this case, we have a red-spotted elephant reinforcing the bass connection. Some researchers suggest that the bass were descendants of Neolithic farmers who merged with the Mesolithic hunter inhabitants of the region. We appear to be viewing a cave panel representing a mountain with a uniquely Basque name and mythical characters are the same with no other known language group connections. One could take the next step to consider that some current Basque names of mountains and mythical characters depicted on upper part of the cave panels may be the same as those spoken by the Mesolithic peoples they met if not by the upper pillar of the cave artists before them. This concept will be presented in another study with more Basque Mountains. Um, the gold-colored natural irregularity extends from above the Chindoki elephant, as indicated by the blue arrow, and there's the impression of a second and larger elephant above it. Such an elephant would be partly above the mountain. Ice Age people were known to handle elephant remains, such as teeth, but we don't find their bones on the standard menu. The most commonly depicted animals in Ice Age cave art were not those that these people regularly consumed. The principal panel is wild to say the least. There are more lines and curved surfaces to explore and possibly connections to be made. Now let's turn our attention to another upper pillar cave. We traveled from Chindoki to the Las Monedas cave in Cantabria, Spain. Las Monedas is in the El Castillo mountain that is a cave of the that has a cave of the same name, among others. The current walking time between Chindoki and the Las Monedas cave is about 44 hours. In the Las Monedas cave, there's the panel of mass that appears to be as enigmatic as the El Pindal principal panel. Yes. 
On the panel of masks, we find the Paradoi elephant character visualized on Chindoki and both are the same as depicted at the El Pindal cave. The peak of the lower elephant's, the smaller elephant's head is marked by the red arrows and the blue arrow indicates the head of the larger elephant in shadow. The smaller elephant had previously been identified as a mammoth. We also find the, the wind character Ode who comes from behind the mountain. There's also a therianthrope, the mix of human and another animal being in the center. He has foxish ears and peers through a magical mask. One might consider his ears to be elven in today's mythological vernacular. A second mask facing down is to the viewer's far right. This panel was previously titled the panel of masks based on the mask in the center and the impression of masks surrounding the surrounding dark lines. The O'Day and Fox's eared character appear to be new finds. Had these spiritual characters been refound in modern times but were too controversial to discuss? Or was the data too to more fully analyze his images not previously available. I sometimes scratch my head with these questions. Here we have a too closely cropped black and white photograph and what appears to be a drawing from the same in a 1972 Las Neighbors Cave study. This is where the interpretation ended. The interpretations of most Iberian upheliothe images were made decades before 1972. We have much more visual information to work with, utilizing today's photographic technology and te techniques. Those dark lines of Ode's outstretched right arm are flora, such as wing broom, marked by the red arrows, a large brown maple leaf, as indicated by the blue arrows, and the scattering of Spanish Jupiters, junipers that are blowing in the wind. One can get a sense of a gust of air animating the flora. This panel has the appearance of a late summer scene, perhaps in the evening or just before sunrise, when the colors of the floor cannot be seen. We have now established collaborative links between the bass characters depicted on the walls of two Apocalyptic caves and a still sacred mountain in the region. In continuing our investigation of the Mountain Paradoia Cave Art Hypothesis, we journey to Pica Panamera, that is in Astoria, Spain. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Pika Panamera is a low, fairly low mountain at 763 meters, but has a lot of character. Regional mountaineers refer to this peak as the Little Matterhorn based on similar geometry with the Matterhorn of the Alps. There is a rounded hill to the viewer's left known as Pendendo. The photo of Pico Panera in the previous image as marked here with the red arrow was taken near to alleys, indicated by the yellow arrow. The photographer had an easterly view of Pica Panamera. We may now learn more about how Ice Age people viewed Pico Panamera at the Las Chimeneas cave in Monte El Castillo. That is about a 14 hour walk. Pico Panamera has some resemblance to a panel in the hall paintings at Las Chimeneas cave. I've taken the liberty to name the scene, the panel of the bears. In the absence of any known name, can you see the bears? Our eyes may have been initially drawn to the strong black lines on the panel, but if we pull our gaze away from them, an unhappy mother bear with at least one cub on her head emerges in relief. The mother bear's forelegs are stationary. She appears to be searching for something. Below the she-bear is an alpine coat, a cove, a bird common in the region, which looks, looks up to her. This may be a scene and a myth. The, the bears and dark lines appear to resemble Pica Panamera and the lower Pendendo in the foreground. The she-bear has a touch of white on her muzzle, which may represent snow and the white of the mountain. We can see a stronger resemblance with the, this close-up shot of the mountain, even features for the bear cub blob on her head. 
Yet the La Chaminea she bear seems to be coming out of the mountain as if she was part of the geological formation and the sky at the same time. We return to this concept later. We may be able to find more answers to this arrangement of bears and mountain mountains through these two panels in the Las Mineros Cave and Cueva de Venta de Pera. Uh, both are long two days walk from Pico Panamera. I've also named each of these the panel of the bears in the absence um, of other known names. Can you count the bears? We find a mother bear, again, with at least one cub below her. She appears to be protectively pushing back hyenas that have their teeth clamping down on something. Strong dark lines are in front and behind her. Let's take a closer look at the head of the mother bear, whose muzzle can be found with a blue arrow. She's a touch of white on her muzzle, which may re represent the snow theme and the white section on the mountain, as we found the La Chimeneas mother bear. See her clawed and raised right paw on the back of a hyena, indicated by the red arrow and the tucked under left paw with the yellow. She's protecting at one curled up cup can be identified by its left ear as marked by the red arrow and right front paw, indica right, indicated by the yellow arrow. The ear of this cub has had been previously documented to be that of the sole bear in the panel, and which drew me to examine the image more closely. The arm of, the sec of a second cub may be in the jaws of a hyena, as marked with the blue arrows. Through advances in digital photography, we now have a view of these cave panels that has come a long way from lanterns and sketch pads. Let's take a closer look at the pack of hungry, hungry hyenas. The black line represents their raised dorsal hairs. One hyena appears to be pulling at the second bear cub. You can see a hyena's red right ear and below it black pupils and white eyes, as marked by the red arrow. The gnashing teeth engraved in brown and white are indicated by the yellow arrow. This is a dramatic scene that one could visualize in a ceremonial reenactment. The she-bears emerged from Pico Panera, and the hyenas are formed from the low hill pendendo. The, the dark lines shape the mountains as we found in Las Chimeneas. The mountains would appear to be living from an animistic perspective. We found our mother bear again at Cueva de Vinto de Pera in a similar posture to the Las Chimeneas bear. She has two identifiable bear cubs on her back in this image. The she-bears she Muzzle has a touch of white to represent snow and perhaps the white face of the mountain. The cub facing to the viewer's left was identified during the first modern investigation of the cave in 1904. My illustrated mother bear and other cub facing the opposite direction appear to have been clumped into the earlier observed bear cub. We do not see the strong black lines with Pico Panera and Pendendo as we did with the Las Chimeneas and Las Monedas bear panels. Still, there's a natural regularity on the cave walls marked with the red arrow that resembles the top of top section of Pico Panamera with the heads, the bear's head sticking out as indicated by the yellow arrow. There are objects in the mother bear's mouth to the viewer's lower right are the open ends of two different bones from unknown, from unknown animals as marked with the blue and yellow arrows. The bone in yellow is a broken um, four-leg condylis or condyles. The frozen head of a different animal, the European wolverine, is, is indicated by the red arrow. Out of the right side of her muzzle is a brown material that I haven't identified. She appears to have scooped up these frozen foods, reinforcing the seasonality to be winter. Bears maintain a prominent place in Basque culture. There's an ethnographical record among the Basque that they once believed to be descended from bears. The Basque tradition is a fundamental animistic belief that predates Christianity and was not likely originated by Neolithic agricultural peoples either. This belief could be the remnant of an upper Paleolithic myth that the Basque observed in deep caves and or was passed down by Mesolithic peoples. A standing bear has many human like physical characteristics. We once competed for the same food resources and the she-bear greatly cares for her young such that we today still archetypally use the term mother bear about protective human mothers. From a spiritual standpoint, the bear also has seasons in its life history strategy, whereby this animal hibernates in a winter cave, thus symbolically enters the cave world or cave underworld and then emerges or is reborn in the, in the late winter or early spring. 
These cave panel scenes are of protective mother bears in the light snow that have emerged from a cave in late winter. When studying photographs of mountains in northern Spain, I observed many mountains that have elephant-like features, such as found projected onto the walls of El, El Pendal and Las Mineras. Both the, both the El Pendal and Las Mineras elephants also appear to have large elephants above them, which we don't see in Shindoki. I can see where the artists found their bare inspirations after comparing the cave images to Pica Panera. This close-up of the Pica Panera has the look of a bear's muzzle. Other mountains in the region could have the look of bears, although I haven't seen them. I believe that the answer is not just in the paradoia found in the mountains, but also their relative positions to the night sky during the depicted season. Note that the cave artists would have been looking easterly at Pica Panera during late winter. Water break. <clears throat> if you have seen my other presentations, you, you may be following my Agatha Christie-like clues. The eastward bear has a, was a less subtle clue, or the rising eastern bear. This slide begins where we walk through the whodunit of astronomy. In this image generated by Starry Night Pro 8, a software package utilized by professional astronomers and planetariums, we can dial back the clock and look easterly at Pico Panera to see what the cave artists would have viewed in that time and place. See how the she-bear, Ursa Major, as marked by the red arrow, would have been viewed meeting the dawn. We see the she-bear here pictured as the ancient Greeks found her form. Maybe the Ice Age artist illustrated her lines differently. Remember this the same depicted direction that the bears face on the three cave panels. What if the mother bear was drawn in reverse by the Ice Age cave artists during late winter? Indigenous peoples around the world animate the stars of Ursa Major in different forms as the she-bear travels through the seasons. The heads of both the Las Chimeneas and Cueva de Ventura mother bears, would fit neatly between the currently depicted Ursa Major tail and her right hind leg. The forward arm of the Las Chimeneas mother bear could have been re represented by the long tail of Ursa Major. I should note that bears don't have long tails, which has been a curiosity among ancient and modern astronomers for the stars in Ursa Major. The constellations also appear to move from left to right across the night sky. The reason why the mother bears in Las Chimeneas, Las Chimeneas and Venta de, Venta de la Pera caves appear to be frozen in time and in Pica Panera, maybe because they couldn't move any further to the viewer's left in the night sky. The heads of the mother bears are also depicted at slightly different positions to the parent horizon. These pictorial difference may, differences may be due to astronomical observations over th thousands of years that these cave images were made, which would place the constellation of Ursa Major at slightly different positions relative to the horizon. This astronomical phenomenon is called precession, whereby the, art, the Earth wobbles like a top over a 25,700 year cycle and changes our views of the stars relative to the horizon. We were once deeply connected to Mother Bear as she not only reminded us, reminded us of good child rearing, but also helped us to find our place in time and space. Had she perished in the terrestrial realm, would her reflection in night sky have disappeared as well? If Mother Bear didn't awake in the spring, would other life not be born? Perhaps our destinies would have once appeared to be inseparable. Any pre-human arrival bear remains in caves would have been evidence to Ice Age peoples that these co-animal beings were there first. Some cave walls had earlier scratches from bears, perhaps suggesting that they were prior artists. Bears continued to claw surfaces to mark their territories, as these Ice Age peoples would have been aware of. I can see how such evidence around the early Iberian humans and these images could have developed an origin story of how they, or should we, or should we say we, came to be descended from bears, as found in Basque tradition. In other presentations here at AMBITE, we explored the idea of constellations for Ignatian peoples from about 34,000 years ago at the El Castillo Cave in Northern Spain. This cave is in the same mountain as the Las, Las Chimeneas and Las Monedos Caves. I found that many of the Greek constellations, including Ursa Major as a she-bear, were known to the Upper Paleolithic 
and were obviously an earlier source. Ten identifiable Greek constellations in the correct order, in addition to these depicted five, were known. These constellations of stars we continue to steal from the night sky as the greatest show people of our time. They are never enough. We also look to the elephants depicted on the walls of the Las Menados and El Pindao cave to test if this astronomical perspective continued on. Using Starnight Pro 8, 8 again, although this time with a westerly view, we look back at how the cave artists would have seen Chindoki in their time and place. See the prominent stars that frame the horns of Taurus as the ancient Greeks depicted the constellation. The depicted horns of Taurus closely resemble the hind legs and truck, trunk paradoia of the elephant in Chindoki as the mountain would have been viewed merging with the dawn. Or did the Ice Age artists see an elephant in the mountain Chindoki whose peaks of their heads on the cave panels are marked by their red arrows with the largest shadow of the elephants as indicated by the green arrows in the constellation Taurus as part of the same vision. In either case, the vision of an elephant in Chindoki and Taurus was an ice age marker of time and space and perhaps an indicator of changes in the weather as found in Basque tradition. Taurus was known as an elephant among Oregonian peoples around 34,000 years ago in northern Spain, as shown here with this previously introduced slide. Some of these constellations, as we envision them, were known almost 20,000 years ago before the first replicas of Chindoki and Pico Panamera. On our travels across time and space, we found mountains that had the look of and were on the directionally correct horizons as some of these constellations. The mountains are living, not just in the terrestrial realm, but in the sky world as well. One can imagine how magical these meetings of the realms would have been to Ice Age peoples, so magical that the cave artists then projected the, the view onto their underworld of the cave walls to complete the transcendental experience and perhaps spiritually continue the yearly cycle of life. Remember the fox's ears theriantrope in the Las Mineos cave, who peers through the magical mask at the wonders of his cosmos. This character is likely initiate on his journey of discovery, whom we have become by looking through his magical mask. Here, in the psychological interpretation, where the sacred and the scientific are one, where we encounter the cosmos through the pelvic mind that is still our own. Thank you again for having me on the program, Miguel, and we have lots to talk about with you in advance. Um, for the audience, more of my work can be found on my webpage, beforeorion.com, and you can find me with For Orion across all the social media ch channels, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Academy.edu, Reddit, Tumblr, Pinterest, and so on. So I'm out there, and now would be a good time to switch us over so that everybody can see each other at a presentation mode. Well, I'll just there you go. There you go. Wonderful. Thank you for that. As always, uh, very yeah, very engaging stuff. Uh, the bare necessities. Somebody's got to say a pin. <laughs> Somebody's got to do a pun. So yeah, great stuff. And for the audience, some of you, of course, are going to get this uh, audio version. Uh, check out the video version. I should say that some of you have told me, yeah, you're not going to go on YouTube. Some of you will not go on Facebook. You don't want to go into the major CIA-backed uh, brands. But you can always, if you if you want visual, you can go to Odyssey, which will be on it. I also upload it to Rockfin. Uh, Rockfin is actually very popular. I have almost 9,000 followers there and is doing well until the crypto crash. But there's a lot of follow. You can get the show on Rockfin too or Odyssey. If again, uh, I, we try to put the show on as many versions and channels because I know everybody has different tastes. Everybody has different uh, rejections of different platforms, and that's fine. This is 2022, so well, awesome. I have a few questions, but I want to see what Vance has to say, what his takeaway, or if we have questions for the audience. Or Vance, do you have any of your own questions? Yeah. Um. um uh, let's let's get some basic questions. Is the um, is the idea that these uh, Neolithic people went into the caves and saw these images in the natural formations of the rocks and then uh, accented them with their own um, with their own painting? 
to make the the figures come out? Is that how it happened? Or t tell so us how all, it happened. Sure. So all these images were created by what we call upper pelvic people. So 12,000 to, to 28 for the bears and the elephants. And the previous El Castillo stuff that I showed was 34,000 years ago. So the Neolithic people didn't make cave art. 12,000 years ago, Neolithic people show up, or there, I should say, um, and they did not make cave art. It completely, it was not a tradition that was carried okay. on. So the question then becomes, how do the Basque, what's the Basque connection? Because the Basque, they, they have the same mythology with the same cave images, okay? And the Basque are unique people that they're in this corner of the, or they're in the Pyrenees in this corner of Spain, corners of Spain and, and France currently. And no one really knows where the Basque come from. The Basque don't actually know where they come from. And the question could be, were the Basque always there? And they have, they have a unique language that, as far as the Basque linguists are concerned, has no connection to any other languages. Okay. Now there's Armenians. Armenians believe that some of their words are connected to Basque words, okay? And the words that they have would be like very like pre-farming or farming type of words, okay? Uh, and, the, and what the Armenians say is that uh, the Neolithic revolution moved, kind of back to your question, moved from post-Gobekli Tepe west into Basque country and that the Armenians gave the Basque basically all their stuff. That's what that's what the Armenians say, and when we talk about Armenia, we're really talking about Greater Turkey, because it's mm -hmm. Armenian Plateau, which which also includes where Gobekli Tepe and right. all the tepes are. Okay, so the Armenians say they every that this all happened this all happened um, eight eight thousand years ago that everything flushed from the east to the west lands in the Basque country, but everything we have here is between twelve and twenty thousand years ago. And then plus the El Castillo images, so it's it's not possible that it all happened long time before eight thousand years ago. So it's completely impossible that the Armenians um, that the Armenian tradition, including Gobekli Tepe, we're going to say because they say it's Gobekli Tepe too. Um, all that stuff landed in the Basque country. What's more likely? It's pretty obvious based on the dates is that this was an upper Paleolithic tradition that people, um, that the cave artists either told the Mesolithic and Neolithic peoples or the Basque were the cave artists. Those are the, um, or, or, or the Basque went into the caves um, in the last thousands of years, they saw the images and came out with the, a new mythology. Um, my bet is that the cave artists are Basque. That would be the most um, logical um, solution to it. And that would also explain why cave or, or rock art of emerges in the Sahara and Gobekli Tepe at the same time it ends in Spain. Hmm. Well, um, by the way, um Aren't the Basques and the what well, the people that are known as the quote unquote gypsies connect? Don't they, isn't there a connection there? The Romani, um, yeah. So Ro the Rome, yeah. The Ro we used to call them gypsies. But we don't say that anymore, right? Because you know, that comes from Egyptian. They were gypped, and you know, we we do not <laughs> we do not talk about that anymore. So they call them the Romanians or something like that. Yeah. Right, Romanians. Roma. Yeah. You're going to have yeah. to change your song though. Yeah, Roma, I don't. I don't. Tramps and the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I have no knowledge of that. I thought they were the Romanians, like in Hungary or something. But you guys, you guys can Google yeah. that one. Oh, they're no, they're nomadic, right? They were all over Europe. Um, yeah. Um, so that's a um, that's an unknown to me. But that's also a, a more modern phenomenon. Well, they may be go back. There, there are legends that they go back to Egypt, which is where of the of course they said right. Now, oh, that was really, awesome, yeah. man. That was that was in the whole um, you know shell game sort of stuff, and where they get their ancient wisdom from, and right. yeah. So I'm I'm not a Roman. Yeah, I'm not a not a so fan. They're, they're in this <laughs> in the, the the train of thought that I'm 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 heading. Um, so did you? So here's a question for you guys: When you looked at the images before that, I point out the bears. Did you see the bears? A little bit. It was hard. 
I think if the images are larger, like if you notice at the end, I just, it was too late. I didn't know your presentation was about to end. I had um, enlarged and made it just the presentation. Yeah. The pictures are small compared to the entire slide. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, uh, that's one thing. And it's kind of hard. Now the, the drawings help. Well, yeah, uh, the right, they do. <laughs> yeah. And I could see, you I could know, see I didn't the see features. At first, I didn't, they didn't jump out to me either because I was I was sort of following the company, the archaeological company line of, you know, this is that they're actually they're called nondescript. They were called in the archaeology books. They're called nondescriptive drawings. It means that there's there's lines there. Nobody knew what the lines were. And what yeah. what drew me to all these was that I looked through the books for the nondescriptive descriptive drawings. And, I, you know, I sat back and I looked a little bit and, um, and I, I have. So we, we have five, we did five images today. I've got another 15. Wow. And most of them, they're, they're different animals, um, but they're, they're sets of two to four or groups of two to four. So they're multiples, just like we saw at Chindoki. And uh, um, so you guys learned a new word tonight, Chindoki, right? Yeah. I'll probably forget it uh, in about an hour. <laughs> so here's this. So the Armenian language, they have the TX. They have that TX too. And it's Chin. Mm. Oh, wow. And that's one of the reasons they keep pulling this thing out. Now, Chindoki, and I'm not a Basque linguist, but I've asked the right people the right questions. Um, chin has no meaning in Basque. Other than... Whereas Doki or Doki does, and Doki means place, and so it is the place of Chin, which is that that mountain, because um, it has it's, it wasn't borrowed from anybody else. So you're so saying I'm it's the name with, of the mountain, and the Chin is the name of the mountain that they had. The name they gave of the it. mountain. Yeah. Yeah, you are. So do you think they're uh, you know do you think that the uh, the paintings used to be more clear and they wore off over time or I don't know what would wear them off? No, the no, they're actually they're um, so these paintings. So these we're going to put these in the, the category of painting slash engravings, hmm. and all the engravings uh, they're pretty. Most of these are actually there's more engraving than is in painting on these images, and they drew the, from the natural irregularities. We actually we have you. Based on the photographs you saw, we have really good photographs of these um, that were taken by Takeo Fukawa a few years ago and compared to what people had 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago when people literally had lanterns of different sorts and flashing things and deciding what they uh, they didn't want to did or did not want to see. Um, now, there's a story that um, I'm not a political person, you know, at least not regards to the Basque, right? I live in Portland. Everybody's political, right? Um, you know, the Antifa yeah. on the on the left and Proud, Proud Boys, Boys on the right, and you know, it's you know where you know it's it's just the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you cannot live in Portland without having a political opinion. Um, <laughs> so, the, the Basque have a history, and I can't. If I was on a program, a podcast in Spain right now, um, we could not have this discussion because they would say they, they, they just cut it off right now. Oh. Um, they say, can't talk about that. Turn off the, the thing. So the Basque have a history that we know for Guernica. Um, and the history of Guernica is that the, uh, Franco, General Franco, lost the election. <laughs> and he he um, brought in, um, at first, Berber, people from North Africa, troops, to push out the, the duly elected government. Um, and, uh, the, and the story of the Guernica was the the daytime raid from both Franco and the, the Nazis and, and uh, Mussolini, um, where they basically, they, a civilian town, they shot it up, bombed it, the whole thing. And that became Guernica. Okay. Well, that, that story of Guernica has been going on for, for, thousand, for two, at least, you know, you know, the Romans were there a few times, and it means Christians, right? And they tried to kick him out and they tried to change the religion. Couldn't do it. The, I mean, everybody's been there in this part of the country and tried to convert or reform the Basque and weren't able to do it. Um, so the, the Basque have kept this identity in their, their religion um, and their language because no one's been able to really do this. Um, and that's the story of, story of Guernica. And the Basque had, you can, people can look it up. It's within the last 10 years, they still had a, you know, terrorist type of movement where they're blowing up, you right. know, 
you know, Central Spanish, you know, diplomat. Basque separatists. Separatists. Yes. Separatists. <laughs> oh, totally separate. If you, if anything you know about Basque is they're separatists. Yeah. Um, and it's a so it's a, so we by being separate, they're the equivalent of Native Americans, except the Native Americans assimilated in, and the Basque also assimilated in, but the Basque kept their own language, but many Native American groups didn't. So we can look them at them as an indigenous people. Um, that um, clearly, you know, they were once a fourth world people, and then they're they occurring a present world, you know, first world people, because they they took in the technology and so on. But they also kept in they kept their agricultural, their, you know, sheep herders and all that sort of stuff. Um, do you know that many bass relocated to the United States? No, I had no, no idea way. where. The, uh, yeah, two yeah. two two major areas that I know about. One is outside of Boise, Idaho, and the other is down by uh, by Reno. No, no. Hmm. And this, there's a the Basque. They continue to be sheep, sheep and goat herders, um, and they would drive their the sheep up into the into the hills and mountains, little mountains during the summer to get the better feed. And there's tell of a of a Basque sheep herder. herder. He's up for the whole summer. He has you know, no companionship except for the sheep, and he runs out of his drink, uh, his spirit. And they, you know, the end of the season, he. he, he Drives a sheep right through, you know, an outlying town as they some they still do. Um, steps into the local bar, walks up and pounds his hand on the on the table on the bar and says, "Bear." You're just that's just tell, right? But so there's a so I I'm ninety nine percent convinced. That the Basques are the, for certain, the cultural descendants of the cave artists. 100% convinced of that one. And 90% 90 convinced that they are, in fact, the same people. And what did happen is that people came in from the the, um, Armenian Plateau, present day Turkey, you know, eight, eight, nine, 10,000 years ago, and they brought in agriculture. But the Basque already had; they were they were probably herding animals. Either they're herding animals up and down the, the mountains, or they're following them, which is really the same thing, right? So for for you know for for tens of thousands of years, people were you know, you know the the the, the, the ibex um, were going up and down the hills during the winter and the summer to cap to have the best food and and the best temperatures. And the same thing for orcs and horses and everything else. And so the, I believe that they, at some point, they, um, they, they had a better way of following or managing the herds without having like an ownership of the herds like we have today. I mean, at some point in the past, the agriculturists came in from the Armenian Plateau and brought them, you know, ha- making hay versus um, hiking up and down the hills to just get the better hay. Like the Basque out, the Basque shepherd outside of Boise um, was doing. And there you have it, my beloved true seekers. Bernie with bears and hyenas and mountains, oh my. In our second part, get ready for some mythological detective work, all leading to your authentic self. And please continue to support this red pill cafeteria. It will cost you less than a buck per episode, and that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics are more critical than ever in this Philip K. Dick world in Gnostic times. This is our time to shine like crazy diamonds. We high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.